Then spoke answering him, much suffering, noble Odysseus, Friend, since you altogether deny it, and still do not think that he is about to return, and your spirit is ever mistrustful, yet not so will I say it in mere words, but with an oath that thus is returning, Odysseus, and let the reward for the good news be mine straightway after he comes and has entered his palace. Clothe me then in a mantle and tunic, the finest apparel. Though I am much in need, before that day I will take nothing. Equally hateful to me as are Hades' gates is the man who yields to his poverty so that he babbles agreeable falsehoods. Zeus be witness the first of the gods, and this table of friendship, also the hearthstone of faultless Odysseus, to which I have come now. All these things will be brought to fulfillment as I am declaring. Sometime within this same moon-tide will Odysseus arrive here, one moon just having waned, and the next moon just at its onset. He will return to his house and exact his revenge on whoever there are depriving his wife and his glorious son of their honor. Then in answer to him you spoke, Eumaios the swineherd. Old man, never will I pay you a reward for the good news, nor will Odysseus again come back to his house. But at ease now, drink your wine. Let us think about other things. Do not remind me further about those, for in my breast my heart is afflicted painfully any time someone mentions my kind-hearted master. As for your oath, we will let it alone, though I hope that Odysseus finally will come back, as both I and Penelope want him, so too aged Laertes and godlike Telemachus wish it. Unforgettingly now I mourn for the son that Odysseus fathered, Telemachus, after the gods raised him like a sapling, so that I thought among men who would be to his own dear father nothing inferior, marvelous both in body and beauty, then some immortal afflicted the mind well balanced within him, or else it was a man, and he left to seek news of his father, going to sacred Pylos. The glorious suitors await in ambush for him as he comes back homeward, so that the race of godlike Arcasius dies, is in Ithaca utterly nameless. Nevertheless, let us leave him alone, whether he be taken or he escape, and the hand of the scion of Kronos protect him. But come now, old man, you tell me about your own sorrows. Truthfully speak to me now about these things, so that I know well. Who are you? Whence do you come? What city is yours, and what parents? Then upon what sort of ship did you come here? How did the sailors bring you to Ithaca? What did they claim as their names and their nation? For it was certainly not on foot, I suppose, that you came here. Speaking to him, then answered Odysseus of many devices. These things I will indeed now tell you exactly and fully. If now there were sufficient provisions to last us a long time, victuals and sweet wine both, so that we might stay in the cabin quietly eating our meals while others were doing the labor, in that case, till a whole year passed, I could easily keep on telling the tale of the cares of my heart, yet never complete it, all those miseries which by the will of the gods I have suffered. Mine is a race, I tell you, for whom broad Crete is the homeland. I was the child of a prosperous man. There were numerous other sons also in the house, of legitimate birth, 
by a wedded wife they were nourished and born. I was born of a mother acquired as concubine. Yet did the scion of Hylax, Castor, of whom I claim my descent, prize me as he did his legitimate offspring. At that time, as a god by the people of Crete, he was honored for his success and his wealth, and his sons so famous in glory. Then, however, the powers of death came upon him and bore him off to the palace of Hades, his proud, high-spirited children, having divided his goods, cast lots to determine the portions. Little indeed was the part they gave and the house they assigned me. Yet I married a wife from among men rich in possessions, thanks to my valorous strength, since I was not idle or worthless, nor would I flee from a battle. But now at the end it is all gone. Nevertheless, I think if you look, you can see from the stubble what was the grain, for an ample abundance of misery holds me. Ares himself endowed me with courage, and so did Athena, power to break through ranks whenever I chose for an ambush excellent men, thus sowing the seeds of the enemy's anguish. Never in me did the valorous heart anticipate dying, but I would leap out far in the foremost, and take with my spear that man of the enemy, who in his running was slower than I was. Such I was in the fighting, but never did I love working, nor any household tending that brings up glorious children. But instead it was well-oared ships that were dear to me always, also battles and arrows and javelins skillfully crafted, baleful things that indeed cause others to shudder in terror. Yet they were dear to me. Maybe a god put them in my spirit, since each different man takes pleasure in different actions. Even before those sons of Achaeans departed for Troy, I served nine times as the leader of men and of swift-faring galleys, going against outlanders, and much was the loot that I met with. Some of it pleasing the spirit, I chose, then afterward got much more by lot, and my house grew quickly, and soon thereafter I had become respected and feared among all of the Cretans. But at the time wide-thundering Zeus concocted the hateful journey that would unsinew the knees under many a fighter, then they urged upon me and renowned Edominus both to lead them forth in the galleys to Ilion. Nor was there any means by which to refuse. The harsh talk of the people compelled us. There nine years we were fighting the war, we sons of Achaeans, but in the tenth we ransacked the city of Priam and started homeward then with the ships, and a god dispersed the Achaeans. But for myself, poor wretch, Zeus' counselor plotted afflictions, for I remained there, taking delight in my children and wedded wife and the treasures I carried, for one month only, and then my spirit demanded that I take ship and depart toward Egypt, fully equipping the galleys, along with my godlike comrades. Nine ships then I equipped, and the people were quickly collected. Then for the next six days my trustworthy comrades continued feasting, and numerous victims I gave them, in order that they might sacrifice them to the gods, and as well make ready their dinners. Then on the seventh day we boarded the galleys and started sailing from broad Crete under a steady and favoring north wind, effortlessly, as if going downstream, so that never a single one of my galleys was injured, 
but quite unscathed and unailing we sat there, and the wind and the steersmen guided us forward.